This is the Adopted Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to the Adopted Mom Podcast. This is season two, episode six. And that's crazy that those words are coming out of my mouth. I'm so excited about this. Um, Thank you guys so much for your support. If I don't say it enough, please hear my heart. I am so incredibly grateful for you. You have supported me and you have listened to these episodes and you have driven the podcast to become greater and greater, and I'm so incredibly thankful. Today, we get to hear from Shelly Jones, and when I've asked people before who they wanted to hear from, I got a ton of requests for Miss Shelly Jones, and she's awesome and hilarious, and so I think I even say that in the podcast, so I'll just say it a bunch of times. She is so funny. I can't wait for you to hear from her. They adopted from Bulgaria, And they've had a ton of crazy experiences with feeding and attachment and just all this kind of stuff. And so I love their story. I think it's so impactful. And I think that you are going to really, really like it. So let's jump right in and listen to Shelly Jones. All right, everyone. Let's welcome Shelly Jones. How are you doing, Shelly? Hello. I am good. That's good. You got the kid to bed and everything. Yes, she's been snoozing now for about an hour, so we're good. Plus, it's raining and thundering right now, so she's really out. I was going to say, that's like the best sleep. Extra out. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Here in in my neck of the woods, it teased us. It thundered, but it didn't really actually storm, and I got really excited for a minute, and then nothing happened, so... Well, it's big time storm in here right now, so actually, (laughs) hopefully, I'm like, please, internet, please work. Oh, gosh. (laughs) It'll be good. It'll be good. Um, so yeah, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce us to your family. I am Shelly Jones and I'm married to my husband, Justin. We just celebrated 14 years of marriage this month and, um, we have one daughter. Her name is Miriam, um, Miriam the monkey. And, um, she is, like I said, she's our only child and we adopted her from Bulgaria back in, 2014. I had to think about that for a second. Um, and so it's just the trio of us and we live in Oklahoma and I work for my church and my husband works for a um, Christian nonprofit and that's what we do. And my daughter goes to preschool. So (laughs) we're the all American family. We have a two car (laughs) garage, a two car garage attached. It's really nice. And a privacy fence. Anyway, (laughs) You need your other 1.5 kids. I know. That half kid, though, it always freaks people out, so we don't bring them out very often. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I forgot to mention to you guys that Shelly is hilarious. (laughs) I actually, so um, I've posted, you know, at the very beginning when I first started the podcast, I posted several things like, if anyone has any ideas for guests I should interview, I got like a ton of messages with different people and like half of them were for Shelly Jones. (laughs) Holla, holla. (laughs) She's pretty fabulous. And um, so, yeah, I forget that because you adopted Mary. She's older than Grady, but you guys became Uh parents the first year we did, 2014. Yep. Yeah, we have a lot of we have a lot of friends who all have like three year olds right now. 
And we're like, oh, yeah, we all became parents around the same time. Like three to four year olds were like, yeah. <laughs> but mine's, mine's going to be six. She'll be six this summer. So, yeah. But she's, no, she's pretty little, right? She could pass. For- oh, she's tiny. No one ever believes that she's almost six. She's, uh, she's real. Yeah. She's really teeny tiny, which is part of her story that we'll get to. But she was, she's always been small. So, yeah, she's a tiny little, little person. Yeah. So, okay, so now that you've teased it a little bit, tell us about your adoption story. Okay, so Justin and I, um, we had the plan that most people have. Most people have the same plan of, um, you know, we'll be married for a few years, then we'll have these beautiful biological children that are gorgeous, and then we'll adopt some other wonderfully beautiful children and our life will be complete. And God didn't see it that way. He was like, I don't think he says more, ha ha, but (laughs) you never know. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think that's what he did, but, um, he had a totally different plan for us. So, um, a lot of hurt, a lot of heartbreak in there. We had, um, four miscarriages and, uh, the last miscarriage was, um, twins. At least there was two sacks. We could see development of two. And, uh, so four pregnancies, uh, five babies miscarried. And, um, really after the second miscarriage is, I think it was after the second one. Yeah. We were living as missionaries to Asia in a country in Asia. I'm not, I'm going to try not to say the country name, but, um, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we were missionaries to Asia and after our second miscarriage, uh, my husband and I, we both decided, you know, let's just, let's just start the adoption process. Let's take the plunge. I mean, we want to be parents. And so it doesn't matter where that child comes from, um, parenting, we just have to rethink what parenting looks like for us. So it'll be through adoption. And so we started the process and, um, while we were living over in Asia and that was, that was interesting. Um, because we were dealing with, um, multiple countries. We were dealing with the country that we were living in, having to go to the embassy and stuff like that. We were having to deal with the United States government, um, having your FBI background checks and fingerprinting done in a foreign country is odd. Um, well, like, and all okay. those countries have so many different like qualifications or like age and marriage qualifications. Right. Yeah. Right. So originally when we started the process, we assumed that we would adopt a child from the country that we were currently living in, in Asia. It's cause we spoke the language. We could, uh, empathize with the kid on a different level than maybe other adoptive parents could. And, uh, so it was really hard, uh, yeah, doing all this stuff. Like we had to go in this random office in the middle of nowhere in the country capital, which is gigantic, and to go get fingerprints for the FBI because the fingerprints for the FBI are different than the fingerprints that you do for Homeland Security, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's so dumb. I'm like, come on, America. Seriously. I'm like, Homeland Security, don't you guys talk to the FBI? Could you not share a file? Um, I guess not. So anyway, so that was crazy. That was so crazy having to do all of our U S paperwork in a foreign country. And my poor mother, she was working as our power of attorney here in the States. So she was doing all this paperwork for us. Shout out to my mom. If she listens to this, um, because she rocked, she was doing so much work for us here 
plus our community group back at our church in Arkansas. We lived in Arkansas before we moved to our Asian country. Um, They were doing all this stuff for us and helping us. And so it was crazy. So we were going to adopt from the country that we were living in because it just made sense. And then we found out that as missionaries, we didn't make enough money. We were like, well, okay. Um, So we had to rethink that. So we thought about Russia because uh, my husband, Justin, studied Russian when we were in, when he was in college. And so we were like, well, Justin speaks a little Russian. So we thought about (laughs) Russia. Why not? (laughs) Why not? And then like, literally, like as soon as we started pursuing that, they shut the program down. So there was no more adoptions happening for American citizens out of Russia. So we're like, all right, fine. And then we thought about Guatemala and then something happened to where they like, like temporarily shut down that program or something. So all these programs that we were looking into for different countries kept getting shut down or something weird would happen. Like we were thinking about Ethiopia, but then Ethiopia changed the, the whole process and it was going to take way longer. And so we had it narrowed down really to, to, we thought it was going to be Madagascar, the country of Madagascar on the most Southern tip of Africa and kind of like Southern tip and, and slightly to the east, um, Madagascar, this huge island off of um, the coast of, of Africa. That's what we're, where we thought we were going to adopt from because we thought for sure it would come with a lemur. <laughs> and a free copy of the movie, right? <laughs> a free copy of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No, my cousin did say, he's like, man, if you adopt from Madagascar, you better I hope that kid comes with a free lemur. I'm like, heck yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so we were thinking Madagascar and then our agency calls us and they're like, Hey, we just opened up for Bulgaria. Would you consider Bulgaria as well? And we're like, shoot, man, we thought we were going with Madagascar and now we're hearing about Bulgaria. And so, uh, they're like, we'll just do some research, pray about it. And, uh, we watched this documentary on Bulgaria, like these orphanages. And I think I'm pretty sure this documentary is still out there on YouTube. It's a, it's like two hours and it was from the BBC. I'm pretty sure it's still out there. And if you're interested, whoever is watching or listening right now, uh, go watch this documentary about Bulgarian orphanage orphanages. It's just, it's horrible. It is awful. Um, so we watched that documentary. What's that? I'll put that in the show notes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's just this heartbreak on on Bulgarian orphanages at the time. I think it was made uh, at least more than, more than 10 years ago now. Um, And watch that. And we were like, okay, we don't want to make a decision solely based on our emotions from watching that documentary. We want to pray this out and seek wisdom And we were just, we were so confused. Like, is it Madagascar, African country, or is it Bulgaria, you know, Eastern European, you know, Eastern European or African. And we kept going back and forth and back and forth. And um, while we were kind of tossing this back and forth, we were visiting our, um, so our, our best friends, our best, like some of our, some of our best friends that lived in this Asian country where we were missionaries had moved to another city. So we went and traveled to go visit them, <clears throat> and 
we were uh, having dinner one night with them and we were just discussing like we can't decide between Bulgaria or Madagascar. And we were at, I'm pretty sure it was a Kentucky fried chicken in the middle of of course, this rural part of Asia. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're everywhere over there. So, I mean, why not? So we were at Kentucky fried chicken. Um, If it wasn't Kentucky fried chicken, then it was the knockoff version of it, which is just like Kentucky fried chicken. But what was it called? Deco's. Oh, I was hoping you would say something. uh, No, it's not nearly as it's called just, yeah, Deco's. How boring. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, because the country where we lived, they created this to sound like American. They created this company to sound like an American company, but it's not. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so we were either, we were either at Kentucky Fried Chicken or Decos, but anyway, they have the exact same menu. We were sitting there eating dinner, me and my friend. She's so dear to me. She has these sweet two little boys. These two little boys are like running around. At the time, I think they were like five and three years old, or six and four years old. They were little, and they're just running around being little boys, being crazy. And so I'm talking to my friend. I'm like, I just can't decide. Where am I supposed to? adopt from where what are we going to do are we going to adopt from you know bulgaria or madagascar you know we just we want a piece we want the lord to literally like write it on the wall give us a sign and so i asked her older son we'll call him jay i said hey jay tell me where do you think we should adopt from madagascar or bulgaria and he was like um let me think and his little brother runs up who wasn't very talkative at the time he runs up and we'll call him t and t says get the white baby and i'm like (laughs) excuse me say what (laughs) he's like get the white baby and he like runs off and i asked my friend i'm like did he just say the white like ethnicity white baby she's like yeah I was like, have you ever discussed ethnicity with your kids? She's like, no. They don't know what the ethnicity <laughs> is of an Eastern European versus African. They have no idea. I'm like, what in the world? And so that was like mind-blowing. And so like we came back to their apartment there and I was like, Justin, T ran up to me and told me to get the white baby. And he was like, are you kidding me? And I was like, no. Like, he doesn't he wasn't old enough to understand first of all geography and second of all like ethnicity and colors of skin you know this is a little boy who was yeah. totally oblivious to that type of stuff and so so we totally took it as being from the lord <laughs> and we're like <laughs> okay deal i love it that is awesome sounds sounds great <laughs> so so that is how we chose bulgaria i mean yeah, it was a little boy in the middle of rural Asia in a Kentucky Fried Chicken telling us to get the white baby. And <laughs> and that's a story that you can tell your grandchildren. Uh, you know, and then I got the white baby. <laughs> <laughs> so precious. So precious. Um, oh, man. Any, so, yeah, yeah. I know that... Cool. You know, a lot of people probably wish that that was like, you know, and then they all lived happily ever after. But that was kind of like the beginning of. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Okay, so we decided on Bulgaria. And uh, so we started. So at this point, we're working with three countries. Okay, we're working with U.S. paperwork. We're working with Asian 
paperwork for the country that we lived in. And now we're working with Bulgarian paperwork. And that is just, I I still cannot believe that we did this. I, I really can't living over in an Asian country and dealing with all this. I'm like, how in the world did we do this? Yeah, that's a lot of languages. Um, that's a lot of languages. <laughs> it's a lot of translations happening. <laughs> um, it was like translating from an Asian language to an American to English, and then from English into Bulgarian. Anyway, um, so the the adoption paperwork was really taking a toll on me personally. And in the midst of this, we actually got pregnant again and had another miscarriage. So this is um, miscarriage number three. And I spiraled into a pretty deep depression because it's, I was starting to get pretty mad about just everything. I'm like, I wasn't able to have a child biologically. This adoption was stressing me out to the max. You know, we were a few years in at this point in the paperwork trail before we had even decided on Bulgaria. We had taken a furlough. We had come home to the States and we were able to talk to our church um, in Arkansas and present the story of our adoption. And the pastor was like, you know, let's um, let's get these guys some money. And in one church service, like our church in Arkansas, shout out to the Grove. What's up, Grovers? Um was able to raise like close to like 10,000. Yeah. And it was just insane. And so, and I mean, I don't, were you guys there that Sunday? We were. And Alex, my brother still wears his, uh, his Bulgarian. The t-shirt. t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Cause we sold t-shirts. That's right. They okay. were real cute too. Y'all should they have a really, website they or are, something. They are really cute shirts. Um, so we raised all this money. And so anyway, we go back to Asia And, uh, we're in the thick of it all, but we're like raising money and just like, I started getting depressed and it was just bad. And our elders, um, at the church was like talking to Justin saying, man, you got to take care of your bride. This isn't healthy. And so, um, after another, about another year and a half had gone by. And, uh, so we decided to go ahead and leave the country that we were living in and we came home to the States and, uh, that, Okay, so it, it was like the worst season of our lives, like the worst. Man. We were in the adoption process. We had just moved back to the States. We couldn't find work. We couldn't find any jobs at all. It was, and I found, finally found an, um, a job as an administrative assistant or executive assistant, which it, it was a great company. I'm very thankful for it. Um, but I wasn't healthy. I was not in a good place mentally or spiritually or anything. I feel sorry for the people I worked with. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was very cranky and crazy. Um, and then to top it all off, we had we got pregnant again and we had another miscarriage. And it was just the worst season of life. Um, but in the midst of all that yuck, on April 9th, 2000, I got to do the math here, 2014. So April 9th, 2014, we got uh, a phone call. I got a phone call on my cell phone while I was at work and it was our social worker. And she's like, Shelly, I have really great news for you. I was like, yeah, Uh, a 20 month old little girl that you've been matched with. And this is where I lose it every time. It was just, it was just like, 
was like heaven opened. It was like a miracle. It was the miracle that I needed. It was the miracle that God had planned for us all along. And then she emailed me her picture. And I'm actually sitting in my bedroom right now and I can see her picture. So that's not helping the situation with the tears. Uh, uh, and it was just like, she's, she's, she was gorgeous and be just, she looked healthy. She did. She looked healthy. I'll get back to that. She looked healthy. And, uh, so I called Justin and I'm like freaking out and everybody thought, <laughs> everybody in the office thought that somebody was coming in and like attacking me. Cause I was screaming. <laughs> so was in front of the office i was like no i have a daughter i have a daughter and uh and so uh yeah so i called justin i told him and we immediately start telling everybody everybody like oh my gosh we've got a we've got a little girl and uh she was so cute the picture so cute and uh so they told us like okay you're gonna leave in like three weeks to go meet her so with bulgarian law you have to go twice you have to go one time to meet the child and agree that you will continue to pursue the adoption and then you have to leave them. And we didn't really prepare ourselves adequately for that. Right. Uh, so we're like, like, okay, okay, let's go. And so we got super excited and we raised a, a, a chunk of cash to, to buy plane tickets like immediately. And we hopped a flight like a month later and, uh, when we hit the ground in Bulgaria, we we flew into the capital, and then we had to catch another flight into another city, and then we met up with our social worker, and she speaks fluent English, and uh, so our Bulgarian uh, social worker, her name was Slavina, and uh, she she's a sweetheart. She actually still keeps in touch with us and like looks at pictures of Miriam and stuff, and uh, so we went to the orphanage the next day got there we had one night without uh of rest and then the next morning we got up and she was like okay let's go and i remember being nervous but also like excited and and also having this uh, overwhelming peace it's the weirdest thing it's like two complete opposites i was completely nervous but i had a complete peace and we go to this very stale looking building. It was the color of like mint green ice cream. Huh. And yeah. And you walk in and you got to put on these little, um, looks like shower caps over your shoes. Um, so that you don't, you know, bring dirt from outside into the building and it smells like cleaner in there. It smells like, you know, like they've been cleaning. So it was a clean, it was clean, I guess, but just very stale. Yeah. Um, and then they lead us um, upstairs to this couch, this green couch. We sit down on this green couch and then she's like, okay, I'll be right back. And this lady, like she walks down this, this corridor, which is right in front of me. Like and I can see where she's going and she turns this corner and then I hear crying and then she comes right back out around that corner and she has Miriam and I finally see her for the first time. And I thought like, I thought I was having a heart attack. I really thought I was having a heart attack because all the blood rushed from my extremities 
and I was completely numb. My arms and my legs were completely numb. And wow. I think I think I was having the equivalent of like a panic attack, but it was like this rush of adrenaline, which is probably similar to when a woman gives birth and they place the baby on their chest or something like that. I think there's just that natural that natural bond immediate like work I I knew like instinctually immediately that's my child and she's crying and so Justin also is just like starting to cry and I'm crying and I can't feel my legs <laughs> <laughs> and Miriam's like they're trying to wake her up and get her all cleaned up and so they and then they bring her to me and she just she just sits there and she's freaking out and she's crying. Like who the heck are these people? And I'm like, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, so I'm magical. like, I'm freaking out. It's such a magical moment. And she's like, get the crap away from me. And she's like, who the heck are you? Um, please leave me alone. Plus like, they just, they had, I'm your mother. She's like, who your breath stinks. You're weird um she had just woke up too (laughs) so she was so she was so angry she just woke up and there's these weird foreign people so I mean obviously like I wanted it to be this magical moment where like you know angels float down from heaven and birds start singing but in reality she was mad she uh she just woke up like I said and and see it pretty chill. Those first few days were just like, you know what, we're just gonna, you know, we put her in a little bouncy seat that she would be happy in. And, um, but the first thing that, I mean, the thing that we noticed immediately is how small she was. She, at that time, at that point in time, she was like 21 months old, 20, 21 months. And so almost two years old, and she only weighed. 12 pounds. Goodness. Yeah. Right. Like what two-year-old only weighs 12 pounds and she couldn't hold herself up. Like she couldn't like pull herself up and hold herself up on her own weight for more than like a second. And then she'd fall down because she had like zero muscle development in her legs at all. Wow. Her belly was like super pooched out. So if you ever watch those old commercials for like feed the children and stuff like that, there's like children who are severely malnourished, like their stomachs are really far pooched out. Right. And so, and, and that's kind of like, I think that is what we were experiencing with her. Her stomach was just like engorged, but it was also like, she, it was just strange. Cause she was also incredibly filled with like gas. It was the weirdest thing. Like she was the, she was so tooty and like she would fart all the time. We're like, what is up with this kid? She constantly farts. (laughs) I mean, it was like funny to us. Um, And then we started realizing later on why, why she was so gassy. But uh, so she was really farting. We, We were like cracking up laughing at that. We're like, okay, we don't, we don't burp this kid. We fart her. Um, and, um, but here's like, and this is, it's just like, you know, you go from happy, like you're laughing to sadness. So the reason why she was so gassy and the reason why her stomach was so pooched out 
is because she wasn't, she would do this thing called refeeding where a child that's severely malnourished sometimes will like gulp down tons of air to make themselves burp or vomit into their mouth and like re-swallow it. And so what she was doing was she was constantly gulping down air to make herself feel full. And then she would burp or have gas. Yeah. So at the time we were like, we're like, Oh, what's this thing? You know, but now we know like, Oh, Oh, it's because these jerks in the orphanage weren't feeding her. And so, and so we, uh, that first day in the orphanage, they were like, Hey, would you like to give her lunch? Sure. And so they brought it out for us and it was a banana. I remember like giving her a banana. And so I chop it up into little bits and put it on her tray expecting like any other two year old, she's going to pick it up and start feeding herself. She doesn't have a clue what to do with it. And when I give it to her, like in her mouth, like a chunk, she doesn't know how to chew it. And they're like, no, 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 you have to mush that up. She's still a baby. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah. And so I realized like everything else she had was like all pureed stuff. So she had no idea how to, how to chew or how to swallow. Wow. And I was like, okay, this is, this isn't normal. This is totally not normal. And so she gulped down all of her food so fast. Once she finally started eating that now, like after we left that day, we're like, I don't think, I don't think she's ever had that much food ever. Like, I feel like she was racing to finish it because she was so hungry. And then the next day she was sick as a dog at her stomach. She was so sick. And I'm like, probably cause she ate all that food yesterday and she's never had that much. And so we started realizing real quick, something's not right. They are not feeding her. And then like that week she, uh, she would get little, she'd get really cranky and upset. And they were like, oh yeah, she does that. So we just put her in her, in her crib. Just if, if you'll just leave her in her crib, she'll, she'll be fine. And we're like, well, what do you mean? They're like, well, she's very angry all the time. So we just leave her in her crib. Uh, and I'm like, oh, okay. Or perhaps she's hungry or sad or needs affection. And, you know, we couldn't ask too many questions. Like our social worker was like, this is going to be hard for you, but just get through it. You just need to get through this and they need to see that you're going to take care of her. Like, okay. So we couldn't say a whole lot, but at nighttime when we would like have dinner with our social worker, like we would ask all these questions and she's like, yes, that everything that you're suspecting is right. Like she, she is, it's not normal. She's very small. Yes. She should be able to eat on her own. And she wouldn't like lead us with questions, but she would like affirm us in our, in our concerns. And so it just made us really angry at the social workers at the orphanage because we knew other, we know another family that adopted from the exact same orphanage and their girl was like totally loved and cherished there. And so, cause she was probably, I don't, maybe she was just a happy child. And then, so they just loved her. Whereas my daughter who was helpless, who was so frail and they just treated her like a piece of crap. And so I don't, I don't, have sympathy or I don't have any love and respect for those women that took care of her at the orphanage because they didn't take care of her. And she was, she was so small. She was so small and frail. Like how hard is it? 
how are how hard is it to pick up a child when they're crying? But instead, they would just leave her. They would leave her in the in the crib because she was an angry child. Mm. And so, um, so anyway, so that week, uh, they asked us if we wanted to go ahead and pursue the adoption, and we're like, well, of course, yeah, of course. And so we we signed our paperwork. And then they were like, okay, well, now you'll leave and go back to the States. And we were like, well, how long is it going to be? How long do we have to leave her here? And there wasn't really an answer. They weren't sure. But it ended up being like six, a full six months that we had to wait. And it was just like they sent us, they sent us one picture of her in between in between that time they sent us one picture and she was so smiley (laughs) and she was happy and they had her hair fixed and she just looked like this really happy child but we knew we knew what her life was really like there and uh so that six months in between was like seriously brutal (laughs) having to wait to go get her and but we did finally go back in November, in November of 2014. We got the call to go get her. And so we hopped on a plane, like, within, like, a week or two. And uh, flew back over to Bulgaria to go get our girl. And uh, her name was Zinep uh, Zinep <laughs> Avramova Mihailova. And uh, we changed her name <laughs> because that's long. So lovely. <laughs> uh, but actually, the name Zenep meant Jewel of the Father. It, we actually considered keeping that as a second middle name. But uh, her orphanage workers were actually the ones who said, no, you need to change it because that name uh, relates to her rejection from her parents. And we learned that Miriam, uh, so we changed her name to Miriam. Uh, but we learned that she had been in the orphanage since she was 10 days old. She was, a, she was abandoned at the hospital. And so after 10 days in the hospital, they sent her to the orphanage. So that's all she'd ever known. She had never known anything else except her crib for two years. Um, Gosh. So we got her. We got her. We changed her name to Miriam Susan, which was Justin's mom who passed away. And then her second middle name is Lubov, which means love in Bulgarian. And then, yeah, Jones. So Miriam, the name Miriam, means wished for child, but it could also mean stubborn and rebellious, which is totally also what her personality is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Bringing her home, we quickly realized that there were so many other layers to her neglect. Um, She needed feeding therapy. Because she never learned how to suck or to chew. She could barely crawl. She uh, could pull herself up, but she couldn't stand up for very long. By the time we picked her up, you know, after that six months, she'd only gained two pounds. So she was weighing 14 pounds when we brought her home. And we immediately took her to the uh, pediatrician. And he was concerned about her size, but he was like, just start adding, you know, Pediasure to her diet, like get her to put on as much poundage as you can. 
Um, and uh, we'll just see how she does. So she she was borderline failure to thrive, but she never actually like because if you're failure failure to thrive, usually they're going to put a G tube in and do tubal tube feedings. But she was actually eating food, and so our doctor wasn't concerned about that. The only thing that she would eat would be um, very pureed, mushy things. So uh, there was a lot of yogurt, a lot of mashed potatoes, a lot of mashed potatoes. And, <laughs> and that was it. I mean, like, whatever. Like, whatever is going to get calories into this kid, I don't care. So she would eat just nothing but yogurt and mashed potatoes sometimes. We lived in the baby food aisle for a year uh, for, well, in the, in the infant baby food aisle, like, for a really long time. Um, you know, at her, at her first birthday home, when she turned three, she, uh, she still, she wouldn't eat her smash cake. She would barely even touch it. And so like, we were encouraging her to actually smash it. So as soon as she smashed it, we gave her yogurt and (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And, uh, she just, she, she just wouldn't eat anything at all besides yogurt and mashed potatoes. Um, but after a long time of feeding therapy, we're finally at the point now where she will eat like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and she'll have beans and macaroni and cheese and rice. But she still refuses at five and a half years old, almost six years old, she still refuses to eat anything hard or crunchy. So my kid won't have a sucker. She won't have candy. She won't eat chips. She won't eat like Cheetos, like crackers, goldfish crackers, none of that. She won't have any of it. So she's the kiddo that is always, always has one of those little squeezy pouch thingies, you know, as her snack when we're out in public or something. And that's just, it's fine. Whatever, you know, there's kids who don't have that have texture problems and she just has the extreme version of that. And it's linked back to the trauma of neglect. And so we're like, whatever. You can have an applesauce. We're, we have come to a piece about it. We're like, whatever. Who cares? Just eat. I don't care what you eat, just as long as you eat. Right. Um, and um, fed is best. <laughs> like, Amen you know, the whole to breastfeeding that. thing. Like, fed. Just, she's fed. Whatever. <laughs> she, she's eating today. Um, and her teachers at school all know that she has these special needs. Although sometimes she will eat a muffin. Special <laughs> it's occasions. Like, it's, whew, she ate a muffin today. Praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> Hey everyone, we'll jump back into the interview with Shelly in just a minute. But first, I wanted to let you guys know about some things that are going on with the Adoptive Mom podcast. First of all, we have our Birth Mom Brunch coming up on May 12th. That's National Birth Mom Day. And we're going to take some time, you know, on Mother's Day weekend just to celebrate the choice that these amazing ladies made for their children. Um, the, the choice of life that they, they chose for them to have a better life and whether they're involved in their child's life or whether they're not, they still just, they still made such a selfless act and we want to celebrate that. So if you want to contribute in any way, if you're an adoptive mom or just a, just another listener, please reach out to me either on Facebook or at alexfitton at gmail.com. If you're a birth mom, we really want you to be there. We're going to serve you an amazing meal. We're going to have a little presentation and a video and, and fun stuff like that for you. So we want you there. Please reach out to me if you can attend. Also, 
I want to remind you guys about our Thursday Facebook Live. That's usually just me. This week, I'm going to have a guest if you're listening to this on the day it comes out. If not, check it on the replay. It'll always be on the replay. But usually, it's just me talking about a topic, something having to do with adoption, something close to my heart. I am always open to suggestions about what you guys want to hear about. But yes, please join us. It usually runs about 30 minutes and I love, love, love interaction and comments. So join in those discussions. Sometimes I'll do giveaways. So you definitely don't want to miss out on that. Okay, that's it. Let's jump back into my interview with Shelly. But now, so, you know, fast forward, we have overcome a lot of obstacles with her. She still has moments of uh, rage. She'll have rage moments sometimes where she pulls out big chunks of hair and we have to redirect that. And, uh, she will, and she used to hit herself really hard in the head and, um, used to rock back and forth when we first got her home. Um, it was just a self-soothing thing. And she, she still does this thing where she bites her hand, which that is still part of her self-soothing that she's brought and she just has, now it's become like, you know, there's a kid who like picks his nose or a kid who bites their fingernails. Well, Miriam bites her hand. And so that's like, it's become just a habit thing now where I'm like, Ugh, please don't bite your hand. Cause it, it's, it, it is her self soothing. That's what she does. Right. And uh, it looks weird. It looks weird to people, but I have to, I'm like, yeah, whatever. It looks weird. I know, but that's what it, that's what she does. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm I mean, over it. It's not funny, but it's just... I know. Oh, believe me. I'm, I like when I see it, I'm like, eh, that looks weird. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, if I don't laugh it off, I'm going to go insane. Oh yeah. So I, I totally laugh about I this like stuff. That's like the adoptive mama mantra though. You're like, I mean, uh, you, you gotta laugh, laugh it off your kids, weird quirks. Then what are you going to do? what are you going to do? You're going to go insane. Um, now if somebody else laughs at my kid, then that's yeah. a whole other thing. <laughs> like, um, that, that's when the mama bear claws come out. Um, there was actually one time this lady. Okay. So when we first got Miriam, she, she wouldn't eat at all. So we had, we had all these techniques that we would, that we would have to manipulate her jaw and, um, to help her chew. Like, and one of them was like, we had to put, our hand underneath her chin and find like where her tongue was and like manipulate her jaw to trigger her tongue to move the right way. And it looked super strange. Like from an outsider's perspective, they're like, why are you holding your kid by the, you know, like our hand is under her chin with our fingers on either cheek. And we're like <laughs> manipulating. I mean, that looks terrible, right? Like we're like basically shoving a spoon in their mouth because she was afraid to eat so it's like already like looks terrible that we're like making her open her mouth and then we're putting a spoon in there and then we're like using our hand to make her chew. And then she wouldn't swallow because she didn't know how. And so the only way that we could get her to trigger a swallow sometimes, not all the time, was to pinch her nose shut for just a minute and it would trigger her to swallow. So hello, outsider perspective, this looks like force feeding and pure abuse and we're like this looks wackadoodle crazy and child protective services is going to show up at our door at any minute um 
but we were out of it. Didn't do a lot of like eating out in that. No, no. And if we did, it was only with family members or very, very close friends who knew the situation. And like, we hated it. Like we would make sure that we, we fed her at home before we left. And then we would only bring like applesauce or yogurt with us to the restaurant because we knew like if we try to give her anything else, she's going to, you know, flip out on us like she always does because that was her, her norm. Like she didn't know anything else, right. but we were at the, we were at a, a at like a Greek festival or something once and we were having to do the whole manipulation thing with her jaw. And this woman came flying over at us, like screaming in our face, like, don't you dare touch that child again. Oh, and gosh. And Justin, like, looks at her like he's about to rip her head off. And I was like, ma'am? Like, in my sassy mama bear tone, I'm like, do you want the neighbor, the number of our social worker, our feeding therapist, our our speech therapist, our occupational therapist, and the special ed department? You know, I'm like, (laughs) we are working with specialists. Like, I went all out on this woman. Like, I was yelling at her and, like, telling her that we're – we have a social worker involved. We got a speech therapist, a feeding. We got all these people involved. Uh, I was like, we're doing the techniques we're supposed to do. And uh, this lady was like, oh, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know she was special needs. I'm like, she is. So just back off. Oh, my so, gosh. And so, yeah, we didn't go out to eat for a really long time after that because that was so bad. Um, but now, now we can go to any restaurant and usually we can order something off the kids menu. But we always bring an extra thing of, like, Chef Boyardee SpaghettiOs with us, just in case. I mean, I can't um, blame her. Those are delicious. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's like my Ma- guilty Ma- pleasure. <laughs> Mama needs a bite. <laughs> <laughs> just to test it. Yeah. So she's in preschool now, and she's thriving. She's doing great. She is still considered, like, part somewhat nonverbal. Um, we don't know when Miriam is going to start talking. She is definitely verbal. She will communicate. She'll scream. She'll yell. And she'll try to say words. She she will try to say words. And she'll babble to you. But you have no idea what she's saying. She's not doing two-word sentences yet. She'll say, Mama, Mama, or Daddy, Daddy. And then, we'll like, what do you want? She's like, down. Okay. Oh, you, you want to get down. Okay. But she's not putting things together yet. But she's getting so close and she can say all of her colors now and she recognizes letters and she recognizes numbers and she's mentally there. She's totally, she's mentally there. It's just, it hasn't been unlocked verbally yet and we don't quite know why. And her speech therapist is very, uh, you know, working really hard and she's not going to give up, but we think it's all tied together with the trauma or with food and everything. We think that's all related because she never like latched on or learned how to suck as an infant. So there's all, it's all connected. And, um, but she's, she's doing better day by day. And, uh, and now she's just, uh, besides the whole, not really speaking much, she's pretty much an average, you know, although she's five, I would say she's like an average, like three or four year old. Um, she's a lot, she's a lot of fun. She's got a lot of energy. Tonight, she had so much energy that she was being a complete little turd, but I love her. <laughs> I'm As like, you do. I'm like, sit in your chair. Sit in your chair. I had to say sit in your chair, I think, 10 times before I finally went over there and I was like, sit in your chair. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, 
I'm just like every other mom. Okay, she's normal. We're good. We're good. She's normal. Great. She's being rebellious. This yeah. is good. <laughs> <laughs> the the phrases that we repeat, like there are sometimes I catch myself and I'm like, I think I just said the words upstairs, go upstairs, upstairs now, come upstairs, yeah. like over. I mean, just yes. like a 10 minute. Yeah or, yeah. or toys in the playroom. Go back in the playroom. Put the toys in the playroom. You just over and you're uh, just like, am I a maniac? Am I, have I stooped this low? Because you know, before we I had swear. kids, you're like, oh, my kids are not going to do that. My kids are going to oh. obey the first time and I'm going to be really consistent about it. <laughs> oh, I was such a perfect mother in my head. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I wait. was such a perfect mom. <laughs> I... I had the perfect child that would fall asleep exactly where I wanted them to fall asleep when I wanted them to fall asleep. You know, we all, we all had that image in our head and (laughs) they definitely um, will not throw fits in the grocery store, right? Oh no, no, not at all. And she'll definitely eat fast enough to get her breakfast done before we go to school. (laughs) (sighs) Today. I don't think I, I mean, I think she ate some breakfast. Maybe not. I don't know. She lived, she lived today. She's still alive. Good job, mom. She survived and had enough energy to, yeah. you know, have her little lived. rebellious moment tonight. So, you know, you're yeah. good. Good job. Yeah. Um, and I mean, but, but I mean, it really does kind of encourage me when she's being like a total little toot. I'm like, yeah, she's just like every other kid, you know, she's, she's normal. She's a normal kid yeah. who doesn't want to sit down in her chair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and she's real cute, you guys. I mean, she is stinking cute. Child, and and I obviously she is so beautiful all on her own. But she has the cutest little glasses, and oh my god, <laughs> she actually actually she she may well she doesn't have glasses right at this very second because we're trying to fix this crossed eye situation, and so we've gone from glasses to like doing these eye drops. And actually, she has an eye doctor's appointment this week, and she may have to get surgery done to fix her crossed eye. So if she does, then she may never have to wear glasses ever again. But if she does, that's fine too. You know, glasses, no big deal. But right now her doctor has, it's the same. Did you, well, we could talk about that some other time, but I think our kids have the same eye doctor. Yeah. Maybe. Randomly. Cause yeah. it's not in the town that I live in. So. Right. <laughs> so yeah. did you guys have to do, I mean, cause obviously international adoption is always so fascinating to me. Um, because it's so different than my story. Um, uh-huh. And I know that I have a lot of listeners who are constantly in my inbox, like, talk about international adoption more. So, but, you know, your situation was so different because her, you know, I call them uh, hidden disabilities. They're like, you know, she looks mostly fine on the outside, uh-huh. but there's a yeah. whole lot of stuff going yeah. on. Yeah. So, I, you know, did you guys have to do any of the like cocooning stuff or, you know, any of the, the basic training international yeah. adoption techniques? Uh, yeah, we, um, yeah. So the hidden disabilities, that's totally what a lot of the families that I'm connected, I'm connected with, with the Bulgarian families and um, the families who've adopted from Bulgaria. A lot of our kids have very similar issues, like some of them with feeding issues or, um, like just being severely delayed in all areas and being very, very small, um, So, uh, but yeah, we did the cocooning thing when we came home, we, um, because, well, first of all, because she was so small and she was so delayed, um, another friend who had adopted internationally before us really encouraged us to take it back to infancy. They're like, she never learned how to suck. Give her a bottle, teach her how to suck, you know, 
And so we took her basically back to infancy because that's where she was developmentally anyway. Right. Because, I mean, she, you, know, you know, her birth certificate says she's two years old, but realistically, she was like a six-month-old. And that's the size of clothes she was wearing. She was wearing six to nine months. So we really did take it back, like, and did the cocooning thing. Like, we, um, for, we weren't as strict as some families. Um, some families don't even let, like, you know, grandmas and grandpas hold their kids, which that's, that's their choice. That's fine. We, we didn't do that. Like we let, we let family in on that. And so they got to hold her and, you know, help her out with food or something like that. But we did, uh, stick to, um, like only mommy and daddy got her out of bed. Only mommy and daddy put her to bed or bathed her. Or if she was crying, we were the only ones who were, um, who soothed her. Mm. And actually Miriam didn't really cry a whole lot at the very beginning. Like if she would cry, it would be like so short. Like she would cry for just a second and then she wouldn't cry anymore. And so we actually would cry with her or like fake, fake cry with her to make her, to let her know it's okay. It's okay to cry. And when you do cry, mommy and daddy are going to come and help you. And so, uh, we did that too. Um, so we, uh, we had to do a whole lot of training for Hague credit accreditation. So Bulgaria is part of the Hague convention, um, which is spelled H A G U E. And, um, that's the international kind of overseeing committee for international adoptions. Um, there's some countries that are not Hague accredited. And if I, if I were you, uh, anybody out there listening and considering international adoption, I would not go with a country that's not Hague accredited because Hague really does due diligence to make sure that countries um, are not having trafficked children or black market selling of children. Um, they do they do a really good job of due diligence to make sure that these kids truly are orphans. Um, right. Anyway, so we had to do all this training um, through Karen Purvis books and stuff like that. And, oh, yeah. um, Oh, good old Karen. Um, I think everybody in the adoption world knows who Karen Purvis is, right? Like even like domestic adoptions, everybody knows. Oh yeah. No, it's funny because in my show notes, I, um, I mean, I, any, anything that my guests mention or talk about, I'll, I'll link to that. And I Uh feel like every other episode I'm linking to the connected child because (laughs) everyone talks about it because it's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, so we did, we did the whole cocooning thing and, and, um, uh, once, once she came home, I feel like once international children are in our homes, then like we're all equal with the domestic adoptions and everything else. I mean, we, we're all bringing a child in, you know, if they're over the age of like two, maybe that comes from a hard place that they're coming from a situation that's not ideal. And we're all going to deal with the junk. We're all going to deal with it together, you know, be it domestic adoption or international. It's just we have the language barrier to get over, too. Um, But, I mean, Miriam picked up the understanding, the the cognitive understanding of English really fast. So she actually, she measures right at her age, um, at almost six years old, for cognitive um, understanding of language. So she completely understands everything. She just um, is having a hard time turning it around and speaking it. But don't you want to kick um, trauma in the throat? Uh, yeah. And I also want to, I want to kick a lot of people in the throat in Bulgaria. <laughs> Shout out to our, our Bulgarian friends. 
Yes. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's funny because this Facebook group that I'm a part of with all these other adoptive families from Bulgaria, when I, like somebody will post like, did anybody experience this with their kid? And we're all like, yes, we've all been there. Yes. You're not alone. Don't feel alone. It's not you. It's them. Um, and we're all just like completely floored by the trauma and neglect that these kids went through. And for no reason, there is no reason why a child should have to lay in a crib all day. None whatsoever. There's a little boy that is that you that is I followed through the Bulgarian adoption, and I think ever I think his profile page on Facebook is open that most people can go and read about him. It's called Saving Baby Ryan, and it's on Facebook. And she's been on the Today Show, or they've done her story on the Today Show, and a lot of different um, media outlets have done have covered her story. Ryan was from Bulgaria. And when they brought him home at eight years old, eight years old, he weighed 11 pounds. What? Eight years old. Eight years old. Weighed 11 pounds. Yeah. There are babies born at 11 pounds. He was the most extreme case of neglect I have ever seen. His body was so teeny tiny, shriveled up. Like, I can't believe that he was still alive. And just watching their story, like they've had him home now for like three or four years and how he's just put on the weight and they're having surgeries done to help his leg plates, like his leg plates were all messed up and they're trying to help his legs grow. And it's just amazing. So, and, and I think their store, their Facebook page is, like I said, I think it's open. Like people, anybody can go and look at it. So you should go look at it. Saving baby Ryan. It's Saving pretty awesome. Ryan. Okay. You know, and it kind of... I'm sure you you see this a lot with Miriam, but do, do you just ever stand kind of in awe of her, like and, and oh, thinking yeah. about this baby Ryan, and you're like, you survived so much. You oh are yeah, such a rock star. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. And like people tell me all the time, like you saved her. I can't. I mean, like, she would have died. And I mean, I hear that, and I and I know that in the back of my mind, but I don't. I mean. It was, it was clearly all, you know, God ordained this and she's our child. She just happened to be born in Bulgaria and she unfortunately had to wait two years for us to come and, and, and get her. Um, it, but yeah, it, it kind of just, it does astound me sometimes when I see this kid who's just so hilarious, like she's, she's finally potty trained. Oh, five <laughs> years old. That took forever. It took, you guys who are potty training, hold strong. Holy moly. That is the worst thing of parenting, for sure. I think, hands down, it's potty training. Um, it took her almost nine months to potty train fully. But she's done. She's done it. She is, yeah. But anyway, now, like, she knows that the first time she ever went poo-poo on the potty, I told her, I was like, Miriam, okay, fine. Look, look. if you will just go poo-poo on the potty, I'll buy you a new pair of shoes. And she did it that very night. And she's never had an accident since she has. I'm like, you little extremely smart person. She totally manipulated me. I'm like, what just happened? She's like a little diva in training. I love it. Yeah. She was like, I want shoes. And if I go poo poo, you're going to give me shoes. And so I did. I bought, I bought her a pair of shoes, but now every single time she poops, she's like, Hey mom, shoes. 
She's like, she looks at me and she goes, mama. I'm like, yeah. And she says shoes. And I'm like, yeah, I know you got a pair. You're not getting another one. (laughs) That's not the deal. That's not how this works. My son still does. He's like, and now I get candy. And I'm like, right. oh, fine. No, you He's don't. An M&M or whatever. <laughs> but he tries to do it every time he goes pee, but he'll get one M&M and then he'll be like, now another. And I'm like, nope, not unless you go again. And so he'll be like, all right, I'll be right back and go back <laughs> and like conjure up some poop. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm like, hey, Miriam, can I be a sticker? Do you want a sticker? You know, like her potty chart's still in the bathroom. I'm like, do you want a sticker? We can put it up there. She's like, eh, shoes shoes i'm like no how about you can go play with your shoes you can go put them on i don't care you know but also like the school her preschool they were totally working with us on this whole thing and we told them like oh my gosh she finally pooped in the potty and she finally like we got her we bought her a pair of shoes and they're like miriam if you go poo poo on the potty at school we'll let you go take a private tour of the school bus because she loves school buses and so they've done that and they keep, and she keeps asking and they're like, okay. And so they keep taking her back to the bus. I'm like, you got to stop. <laughs> you best. are a na- You're enabling her. <laughs> That's the best incentive I've ever heard. <laughs> and so like, so when she sees a school bus now, she's like, oh, poop. I'm like, right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to see, you got to see a bus cause you pooped. Oh my kid. You guys are just creating so many Jones family memories. I know, I know. <laughs> like uh, knowing us, we'll be like on a road trip or something and my kid like she'll be 16 and every single time she sees a school bus, it's going to be that Pavlov dog thing. She's like, "Ooh, I, I feel like I need to go to the bathroom, mom." I'm like, "No, it's just cuz she saw a school bus." <laughs> oh my gosh, this is I'm like crying over here. It's so funny. Uh... <laughs> So, um, you know, I had a question and it, it left me because I'm just... Oh, sorry. Squirrel. No. You're Squirrel. totally fine. Oh, this is so funny. Um, oh, we you are... know what? Okay, it came back. I'm good. Okay. Um, so, okay, not to go from, like, laughing about something to sad, but obviously your story is just... I mean, there's so much grief and mourning and loss yeah. within your story. Yes. So, after you got her home... You know, a lot of times as adoptive mamas, we we almost have to grieve the loss of like normal parenthood. Like uh-huh. we can't we can't do the things that a lot of our mom friends get to do. Was there any of that for you where you're like, oh, that's cute. You get to take your kid to Chick-fil-A. I can't do that. You know? Yeah. Like or when I would take my kid to Chick-fil-A and like she's so incredibly fearful of everything that she won't even think about going and playing in the playground. And she won't even think about eating the yogurt from Chick-fil-A because it looks different. Like, and she has like a complete meltdown. And so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to leave. You know, like there was a lot of those times when we first got her home and I'm like, I'm just, I'm just going to go like, cause I didn't feel like anybody could really understand where I was coming from. And, um, and just, you know, like when they talk about, you know, oh, my baby's doing this, or my kid is finally potty trained, and they're like a year and a half years old, or like, you know, walking at a year and a half, and I'm like, oh, my daughter's like two and a half, and she's not even walking yet, and um, yeah, there was a lot of that, and, but I'm also the type of person that just, I I don't know, I'm sarcastic, and I kind of like throw out my sass daggers, and then I move on, you know, so there was, a, there, I had a lot of bitterness Mm-hmm. But not, but my group, my good friends, like my good girlfriends, they got it. They understood. And they went to the deep, dark places with me. 
And they, you know, so they were my encouragement circle. I don't know what I would have done without, I mean, we all have those women in our lives, I think, or men, you know, but, um, that you need, you really do need the people who completely understand that this is hard and that your kid isn't normal. Your kid's just not typical. You're not, your child isn't a typical child. And you know what? They, you know, they'll invite us to birthday parties and Miriam can't eat what they're having because she doesn't like to eat cake. And so, you know, at church, there was a little girl that came up one time and she was like, why is your kid so weird? And I'm like, uh, don't hit the child. (laughs) I was just about to say like all of those, like, mommy, not allowed to hit children. You are not. Yes. Yeah. Mama bear. Keep it in. Keep it in. And, and I, and I just, you know, I couldn't respond. And so instead I just like walked off and like kind of cried. And so, I, yeah, I mean, it's hard because it, when you don't, when you have a non-typical child, I, I, I say normal, not normal. That's the wrong P that's not PC. I think I'm supposed to say typical, uh, but, I say normal, um, but, uh, yeah, so it's hard. It's dark. It's, I, and there was jealousy. There was jealousy. There was jealousy every time. Uh, a friend was going into labor because I couldn't experience that aspect of motherhood. Like I don't, I never experienced the birthing aspect. Right. Um, so there was that whole other facet to our story. And, you know, I'm 40 now and Justin and I are talking about, you know, adoption number two. And, but then there was that talk about a year ago of like, well, should we try one more time biologically? But I'm like, no, no, I don't want to because I'm old. <laughs> that wasn't the real reason. That wasn't the reason. I swear it wasn't. But I mean, but there was that part of me that I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to go through that ever again. I'm really okay with not birthing a baby. I'm finally at peace with that. Finally. Yeah. It took a long time, but I'm finally at that peace where I'm just like, no, no, we're not going to do that. But I'm totally okay with adopting again. Yeah. Um, and so we are, uh, <laughs> we're still, oh my gosh, we've been in process with adoption number two since November of last year. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> and we're, we say that we're in process because we don't know. We still don't know where we're adopting from. We don't know if we're going to do international again or domestic. We, one day we lean towards domestic and the next day we're like, no, let's go back to Bulgaria. If we do adopt again from internationally, we do want to do a Bulgarian again so that Miriam and this other kid would have that common link. Right. Um, but yeah, literally every other day we're like, domestic, no, nah, Bulgaria, no domestic. <laughs> <laughs> Madagascar, who knows? Madagascar, we'll just throw that in. Lemur, look at the lemur. <laughs> oh gosh, I love it. So, um, all right, girl, are you ready for some of these closing questions? Yes. All right. So what do you wish that someone had told you at the beginning of this? If, if you could have one, you know, clue that, that you wish you'd had, not in hindsight, I guess. <laughs> International adoption is way longer than you think it's going to be. Okay. It's going to, it's going to take, it's going to take way longer than if you think you're special, you think that your paperwork is going to magically float to the top of the pile and that it's going to go fast. Nope, it ain't. It's going to go long. It's going to take a long time. Yeah. That's a good one. You know, those expectations. And and I've heard a lot of people, I mean, 
a lot of people that go through international adoption, they have like specific tips and um, different things that you can do to like pass the time quicker. I'll say that. I don't know. What, what were some mm-hmm. of those things for you guys? I know that like fundraising is a big one just to put yeah. your energy into that. Yeah. And you know, drugs and alcohol. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. That's fine too. <laughs> um, no, uh, I mean, we were really pouring ourselves into finding a church and finding jobs because we also moved uh, while we were waiting. Um, and we got, Justin got a new job. And yeah, we were just setting up house and trying to, like, you know, the whole nesting thing. It ha- I would say, like, in international adoption, when you're, when you're finally matched with your kid and you still have to wait a little bit, that's a really good time to nest. Like get the room ready and everything like that. Um, I don't know. Just um, I, I don't like to read. I like books, but I don't like to read them. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> for me, like finding uh, groups that I could be a part of, like on Facebook and stuff, and just find out like really what to expect when you're expecting a non-typical child. Oh, I should write that book. That should be the should. book I write. I like it. <laughs> Um, okay, yeah. so what is your favorite way that your tribe supported you? And part B, what is a way that you felt hurt or not supported? Um, like before, how they support us before the adoption or after? Oh, answer or choice? Um, well, before and after. They were, they listened well and um, they were excited with us. And then after the adoption, same. I mean, everybody was super excited to see that we finally are parents and that we got our daughter. I mean, the fact that they were so excited with us. And, I mean, hello, international adoption is freaking expensive. I mean, it was like $32,000 from start to finish for Miriam. And Bulgaria is like one of the cheaper countries. Um, We got the chipper chicken. Um, (laughs) So... And, and, and like our, our people totally like surrounded us to help pay for all this. Like we didn't put in that much of our own money. So, and we, we were denied every single grant that we applied for. So that's another huh, expectation. Uh, you're not, you're probably not going to get a grant. Um, so, um, yeah, so they totally helped us financially. And then after like how, if they, what they could have done more, um, or how they would have let us down, I guess. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I have anything negative to say on that because my friends and girlfriends were so good about just listening to us and getting to know our story. And we were like relatively new back into Tulsa, although we were from here originally, like being back in Tulsa, we had to find a new church and our church, like, like they really listened to us and heard our story and worked with Miriam in Sunday school. And our friends were just, I don't know if I could say that there was anything that they let us down about. Um, because even like babysitting, like we had a, a trusted group of friends that knew Miriam's hard story with feeding and stuff. And they were, they were willing to dive into that with us. That's just so, that's so amazing. Yeah. And I know people don't normally have that op, that story maybe, but we did. Yeah. Oh, and that's so, I mean, that's great. Maybe just don't ask Shelly why her child is weird. <laughs> yeah. <don't. laughs> There's another one. <laughs> But 
on the real though, we need to come like adoptive moms need a good elevator pitch system for like explaining their child to people. Not I that know. you owe an explanation to the little girl I that know. asks why your kid is weird, but the, like whenever I drop, you know, rock off with a new nursery person uh-huh. at church, I'm like, um, he was born with a lot of drugs in his system uh-huh. and yeah. sorry yeah. for yeah. any tantrums. Yeah. Like, what do you say? Yeah. Right. I always have to say, so she's nonverbal and she has her own sign language and she's from Bulgaria and she (laughs) understands what you're saying, but you're not going to understand what she's saying. And she acts, even though she's five, she acts like a three-year-old who's throwing a temper tantrum. Okay, bye. (laughs) Good luck. And then you run away. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like when we very first got her, I really did feel like I needed to I'll say mom-splain. I mom-splained her um, to everybody because I felt like everybody needs to know why my ki- my kid is not normal, right. why she's different. Yeah, I totally did. Mm. And Justin was like, babe, why do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I love it. So, okay. So what is something that you wish you had done differently? Um... I wish we would have chosen our country earlier. This is another international specific thing. Um, If we would have chosen our country to adopt from earlier in the process and just stuck with it, I mean, because we were going to go with the Asian country we were living in and that door kind of closed on us. So that wasn't really our fault. But if we would have chosen Bulgaria earlier in the system, I think things would have moved a little bit faster, not much, but I mean, our, our process from start to finish was like four years exactly. Um, but it probably would have knocked off about six months, you know? So, um, I think in the international process, if you can, um, know your country of adoption, like, and get, just start that ball rolling immediately as soon as you apply, um, then you can get your dossier done faster and submitted to your country I think it'll move things a lot faster and have less headache. Yeah, that's a good one. So, okay, last one here. What is your biggest piece of advice or encouragement to adoptive families? And maybe for you, just specifically international adoptive families. And I know it's hard, but just if you could sum it all up into one. Um, oh, goodness. <laughs> I guess, you know, find a support group. Even if they're not like your good friends, think there's value in finding a group of people who have gone ahead of you and can speak wisdom into every situation that you're about to hit. Because we're all going to hit those situations. We have all been there. We're going to get there eventually. And you're going to be thinking that you're all by yourself, but you're not. Um, And... I'm also speaking as a a mother of a child who's technically, she has special needs. She's in the special ed program um, that you're definitely not alone in that. And the special ed workers at your school are going to be your best friends because they are your child's champion. And so find other families who have kids with special needs and who will circle you and be the champions for your child with you. I think is just, yeah. So find your people 
and be bold and being um, proactive and finding those people. There's a lot of Facebook groups. There's a lot of uh, like support groups that are out there online and like stuff like this podcast, like we're all sharing our stories and just listen to people and they'll listen to you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good stuff, Shelly. Good stuff. So, okay. Where can can we see cute pictures of Miriam? Um, I'm on Instagram. I think my Instagram name is just Shelly Jones. I think S H E L L I J O N E S. Um, and I'm on Facebook, but I may not be much longer because I guess it was hacked. I don't know. I saw that on the news. I saw that on the news today. Maybe you want to edit that out because I know you do the Facebook live thing. Um, (laughs) um, but, uh, yeah, Instagram is where I post most, most of my stuff. Good deal. Good deal. So, okay. Well, thank you so much. This was so much fun. As always, I love talking to you. Thank you for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I know this stuff is hard and I hope you found encouragement here. Remember, you are enough and you're doing a great job. God wants to be at the center of this journey and he is big enough to redeem all of our mistakes. Don't forget to check out show notes and other resources at the Podcast.com. Thanks again for listening.